Everything under your roof is important, so make sure your roof is up to the job. For over 20 years, SureTop Roofing has been covering triangle homes and businesses. SureTop Roofing is certified with all of the major shingle manufacturers, providing a 50-year non-prorated warranty. SureTop Roofing has estimators, project managers, and design consultants on staff, guaranteeing superior service. Visit SureTopRoofing.com. SureTop Roofing has you covered. Welcome to the Carolina Contractor Show with your host, Donnie Blanchard. Brought to you by GAF, the world's largest roofing manufacturer. We protect what matters most. And Mid-Atlantic Roofing Supply in Raleigh, a roofing supplier with a different approach. Welcome to another exciting edition of the show. I'm Eric Smith with us as usual, Donnie Blanchard from Sure Top Roofing. This is the Carolina Contractor Show. How are you doing, Donnie? Doing wonderful. How are you today? Great. You can go to the website, thecarolinacontractor.com, to learn more about the show. Also, The Carolina Contractor on Facebook. Donnie wants some friends. Would you be his friend? <laughs> you put all the information of past shows up on the site there, too, right? Yes, sir, we do. And we've had a ton of interaction over the holidays. And then just in the last couple of weeks, we've we put a few articles up there that have gotten a lot of attention. And last week's show, we talked about how to sick-proof your house. And Donnie, you, you sound a little bit congested. So yeah. would you like to explain what happened since last week? Yeah, that episode jinxed me. So <laughs> basically, um, I told everybody out there in the listening audience what to do. And I, I did practice that at my own home. But uh, just a couple of days later, I was down for a good week or so. And, um, you know, everybody gave me a, a rough time because we had just done the show on supposedly sick-proofing my house. And what that transitioned into is sick proofing myself from the rest of the family, which I did successfully. So everybody seems to be in good health and I'm over the hump here. One thing that was a big deal on the sick proof thing that I want to hammer home is, um, you know, just how long germs and stuff can live on certain surfaces. And I really uh, was stuck at home for a couple of days. But, you know, just keep in mind on those solid surfaces, germs and viruses can live for a whole day, uh, whereas on fabric or, the, you know, like a couch cushion or uh, your clothes, they, they can only last for about four hours. And the most interesting thing I read that we didn't talk about on the show is because of the pH of your skin and just how porous it is, mm -hmm. those same germs and viruses can only live for about 20 minutes. So that's your body's self-defense mechanism. Uh, we talked about water heater temperatures, not hot water heaters. That's my pet peeve. Finishing a bonus room and soundproof insulation. What else you got today, Donnie? Um, I jotted down some news updates while I was sick on the couch. Um, <laughs> the um, uh, the thing I read last week that that I wanted to comment on is uh, I looked up family activities, you know, for all ages, just looking for some things for my children and I to do while it's cold. And it was pretty cool that out of the top ten things to do with your family, about half of those involved construction projects or things that you can do with your kids and around the house. And I think when we talked about it, you mentioned you had a neat idea. Yeah, this is a thing called Tinker Crates, uh -huh. and the website is KiwiCo, and I'm going to spell that K-I-W-I-C-O dot com slash Tinker. Tinker Crates come in little cardboard boxes. They're age appropriate. You go mm -hmm. to the website, pick the age group, and it allows you to build all sorts of things. Sometimes it might be for a younger kid, but they also have very detailed projects you can make, including like a motorized pencil sharpener. Mm -hmm. And when it comes in the box, it's like a 100 pieces. But they're absolutely yeah. fun to do. And it ends up, no matter who gets a tinker box in our house, the whole family ends up sitting around the table helping build these little projects. So if you're out there and you have a good idea for us, something you could share a picture of, that would be wonderful. Just go to our Facebook site that Eric mentioned earlier. And uh, please post a picture of that. I'd, I'd like to see what everybody uh, has in mind or if I can just steal an idea from you. We posted an article that just went absolutely viral, um, and it wasn't an article we wrote, but uh, 
I read something about, uh, I guess it was a village in India, and someone invented a bicycle that you could supposedly ride for 60 minutes, and it would power their houses for 24 hours, and they don't have the same electricity needs. But um, every morning when I wake up and look at that, I want to say an extra 30 or 40 people have shared that just about every day. So that really hit home, and it's such a great idea. But the concept there is that when you pedal, that flywheel spins, and it will power a generator that that will charge the battery that will provide you the electricity. And I think that concept is just very neat and and way underdeveloped. And I wonder why a place like Planet Fitness Mm. doesn't hook up all their equipment, like the bikes and the recumbents and stuff, to a generator system. They could probably pay for their lights. Yeah, maybe you shouldn't that. say that on the air. They're going to steal your idea. I just copyrighted that circa 2020. Thank you very much. You can send <laughs> your uh, royalty checks to me. Again, that information up on the Facebook site, The Carolina Contractor. Anything else you got for our show today? Just a quick reference to a past show, and you can catch all these on iTunes or uh, the iHeart Media Podcast app. We did a show on hemp flooring and uh, was reading a little further into that, and I ran across a detail that we did not mention during the show, but did you know that the, the hemp plant will produce just as much oxygen with one acre of hemp as it would with 25 acres of forest. Isn't that fascinating? Incredible. And you've got that up on the Facebook site, too. Yes, sir. All right. And our topic for today is a three-letter abbreviation, ROI. You want to explain to people what ROI is? uh, Return on investment. Most folks that listen to the show are familiar with this, and we've gotten some questions that were tailored around this topic. But um I thought it would be neat today to cover some of the things that are the best return on investment for things around your house because there's certainly a lot of things you can do, and some of the stuff has a really good payback, whereas some of the stuff you'll never get your money out mm-hmm. of it should you sell the house. If you go online and you search what things you can do to your house that will yield a high ROI, you'll see that roofing is always in the top of that category. And um, we push things like designer shingles oftentimes, and I believe the calculation that they say a designer shingle roof will add as much as 7% to the value of to, of your house. So, you know, if you have a $300,000 house, that's adding $20,000 of value to your house just for putting a, a designer shingle on there. I don't think the number is quite so high for architectural, but um, if you do go the roof replacement route, you want to make sure that you have a certified contractor with whatever shingle you choose. Now, we prefer GAF. We are certified as Master Elite with GAF, and what that means is we offer this 50-year non-prorated warranty, and the the reason that's important is the warranty we offer is transferable one time. So if you sell that house, that's a very attractive selling point to be able to give the new owner the remainder of that warranty. And there's nothing like a house with a nice new roof on it. It Mm -hmm. just makes a house pop. Some of the other things you found that had a high ROI, Donnie, are? Yeah, uh, garage door replacements up there. That's um, They say it's an 85% return on investment, which is pretty cool. And I looked into that a little deeper because they have these smart garage doors out there. And uh, before you make the jump on the smart garage door, because they're not, say, as uh, popular as the smart thermostat and things that are a little more common when you walk through the big box store there, you want to check the compatibility with your current system. So it would be wise to go to that garage motor, maybe snap a picture of the specs on the back of that before you you know, make the jump on the smart garage door. But these things are really neat, and they have come a long way in just about a year's time. Some some new features that I read about that weren't available the last time I looked into this is that they have voice control options. So I guess when you're walking in or out of your garage, you can, uh, you know, say garage door close and you know have some fun with the older or the younger people in your family there. And they have some that that even double as security cameras, which I think is a neat thing because 
someone walks in your garage, you know, you normally right. you have access to the house right there and, and it'll record that. And as I always like to say about any smart item, mm-hmm. eventually it will gain self-awareness. Right. So you must <laughs> consider that Skynet is just around the corner if you get a smart garage door. Yep. Another one that's good is entry door replacement. So you don't think about that being the first thing you see, but similar to the roof, it being something that, that really jumps out at you, a not-so-great-looking entry door is definitely a deterrent if you're looking at the house. So mm-hmm. uh, changing those doors out, especially if you have a wood front door, something that you have to maintain a couple times a year with stain or paint, uh, they have these fiberglass doors out now, which we have on our personal house, and they're just so well insulated, and you do have to stain those, of course, if you want those to match. But normally the stain holds for about three or four years, uh, pending that it's not a south-facing elevation there. Like I said, curb appeal is the thing. It's it's more secure. Uh, that's another feature there. They're pretty easy to install, depending on if you have to change out the entire frame or if you just pop the old door off the hinges and go back with something of a similar size. Which never happens. It's never that Never simple. that easy, right? <laughs> and... Um, you know, you can spend anywhere from two grand up to five grand if you have a double door and, you know, go about as elaborate as you want. But you kind of want to make sure, like you said, with the metal roof, that the door you choose fits the style of the house. I've definitely noticed colored doors. The greens and the reds are very mm-hmm. popular. And I saw somebody had a canary yellow front door. Nah. I was like, that's Brady Bunch. You don't Must want be an that. state fan. Um, let's move in the house because kitchens sure. are a place that a lot of people like to do renovations. Mm-hmm. Minor kitchen remodel is what we recommend. So you can do some things that just give your kitchen a quick makeover and not spend a ton of money. But I think the figure that we read there was that's an 80% return on investment, and that's assuming you're spending less than 25 grand on this particular project. Right. Uh, one thing we push people to do, so it's not major surgery, is you can replace your cabinet doors. Uh, you can then paint the entire cabinets or stain the entire cabinets the same color, and that completely changes the look. Uh, you can add a couple of custom pieces of furniture, like we did a pot rack on a pulley for a lady and so we had a, a butcher block under that she had a corner that was unused and we put, we built a big butcher block and we put it on a, uh, on legs and then wheels and we had the lockable wheels and then over that she said well I'd like to hang all my pots here how can we do it so we find a pot rack hang it, uh, the pot rack on a pulley because she was a short lady and uh, we ran the string to the pot rack, you know, over to a hook on the wall. So when she's ready for a pot, she goes to the hook, lowers it down, lowers it down gets what she needs, and then pulls it back up out of Brilliant. the way. Siding replacement, jumping back outside the house. Um, yeah, I can, I can tell you this one. That was, that was a good move for my wife and I. We mm-hmm. got siding done at our house. One of the things they push is they don't take, unless it's damaged, they don't necessarily take your old siding off your right. house. They put over the existing siding, the new siding, and that automatically will help your, was it technically the coefficient yeah. dining of the house? So you'll get a little bit more insulation. Yeah. And that's an energy benefit right there. Right. Yeah, it definitely helps the R value. And if you have a poorly insulated house and say you have the old wood siding or something, the insulation companies offer a service called drill and fill. And what they normally do is will drill a hole every 16 inches and they can, you know, run that insulation down in the wall cavity. And then if you cover all that over with a, a nice new siding package, it's a, it, it, it can only help. But I always recommend as well. If you've never had an energy audit, have an energy audit done before you do this because this is your shot to dig into that house and then cover all your work up and make it look beautiful at the end. Uh, A bonus room or if you have uh, an attic area, basement remodel, something like that that you can add extra living space and usable square footage. I'm always a proponent of that because I think that that changes your quality of life. I know we have a basement, and it took us a few years after we built the house to finish it, but we host Thanksgiving and Christmas for family all the time or as much as we can because 
basically we have a lot of extra room. So if you're a kid and you want to go play ping pong or pool, you can go downstairs and get away from the crowd. Anything that you can add extra heated square footage to your house is is something that you'll get that money back on. Because um, when you go to sell the house, I want to say that the cost to build per square foot has went up about $40 since we built our house just nine years ago. And that's a big number. So if you have an appraiser come in there, if you were ever going to sell the house, I think that you're going to get that money back out of there and enjoy it in the meantime. All right. Now, we've talked about windows a lot in the past, and that's the, the biggest loss of heat or cooling. They said in this article that the ROI, the return on investment for new windows, was 78%. But you made an excellent observation <laughs> That depends on the R value of the window. It can it does. be a, a huge difference in insulation, correct? Yeah. yeah. When you uh, take into account, if you're going to get the money you spend on windows back, you, know, you could send, just for easy math, you go $5,000 worth of windows, and that's the window and the labor. And you may not get that entire $5,000 back when you sell the house. And uh, I believe the percentage was, what, around 78, 80? Yeah. So if you only get $4,000 towards the house when you sell that house, that doesn't take into account the money that you'll save every single month. These old windows, whether they were single pane or the old double pane versions, don't hold a candle to what they have now. And the new windows, while they're only an R3, I want to say those old windows tested out at less than an R1. So you're talking three or four times more uh, insulation at every opening on your house. And, and windows are a, a big thing to take into consideration because that's where all your heat transfer takes place. If you walk around your house, uh, 90% of the time, you're going to see a supply register that blows out either hot or cold air. It's going to be right under or right over that window, and that's for a reason. The new windows, we talked about this in a past show, but the new thing is they have this uh, double-pane glass with a low-E coating, and they have argon gas injected between the panes. So all that is the latest, greatest in the window technology, and I think it will make a big difference on your utilities. And we're talking about return on investment, ROI on projects you can do around the house or have someone do. And coming in at number one with a 117% return on investment. Attic insulation it yeah. is. So attic insulation, the new code there is is R38. And it was R30, I want to say, when I first got my contractor license. And, and I think that it'll even go up from R38, uh, which is about you know, 13, 14 inches. My recommendation is if you're going to have someone come up into your attic and, you know, of course, check for the baffles and make sure that everything's sealed up and then blow additional insulation up there. It's really cheap by the square foot to go ahead and get an extra six inches or a foot of insulation if your attic cavity supports that. Um, I think we have about an R44 uh, in our house, and we did that uh, nine years ago. And, and in hindsight, I wish I'd have gone a little more. Um, we have really good utility bills at the house, but... Um, it's exponentially cheaper than than the alternative of not having enough. Now, Donnie, sure top roofing comes in to put a roof. Is mm -hmm. that a good opportunity? And you guys can also insulate the attic. I mean, you're right there. Yeah, Doesn't we, that makes sense. Um, sometimes you have to go from the inside of the house uh, through the attic cavity. But in some cases where folks have a low roof pitch and they don't have a, an attic cavity that's very accessible, what we've done in the past is during the roof replacement phase, we basically just pull off plywood in several areas and let the insulation contractor go in from the top, and exactly what you said, just insulate it from above. Now, the lowest ROI home improvements are things that are you like yourself. We talked about um, a neighbor who wanted to have one of those four-legged mm -hmm. bathtubs put in her bathroom that stand alone, and the contractor said, we're going to have to tear up your floor, put in new drainage for it. You're not going to want to use it when you reach retirement age. It's mm -hmm. not easy to get in and out of. It looks nice, and I do not recommend getting it. So if you want to do a, a an investment on your house for your personal preference, you're probably not going to get much ROI if it's very unique or something that's not practical 
if you're spending too much, you're probably putting in a lot of your personal preferences, right? I think so. And if you have money to burn, then whatever makes you happy. I understand uh, that that it is nice to have some of these uh, luxury items in your kitchen or your bathroom, but you know when you get up into fifty, sixty thousand dollars just for uh, more custom cabinets, or like you mentioned, a clawfoot tub. You know that's uh, you can get the same exact thing and, and probably something that you'll use more down the road for a fraction of the cost. And the last thing I can say, we have a swimming pool at our house. We love it. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Some people think putting one in will help increase the chance of selling it or the ROI. Most people who walk to a house that they're considering purchasing and they go in the backyard and see the pool, even if it's a nice in-ground pool, mm-hmm. the potential buyer says, maintenance project. Right. I will have to pay to keep this running correctly. Yep. So you might want to think twice before putting in a pool because you think it'll help your house sell. Mm-hmm. Do it because you really want to have a pool. Right. We're saving for a pool right now, and um, the girls keep trying to corner me into a verbal contract of when it's going to be ready. But, um, you know, I think what you said is is if you know you're going to sell that house eventually, you're basically taking your potential buyers and cutting those in half because some people say, hey, I don't want my kids around it. Some people see it as a maintenance nightmare, like you mentioned. But um, I'm just going off what you said about how much you like it. So uh, Love having a pool yeah. at the house. You also made a very important thing about any changes you do to your house, any renovations, mm-hmm. any improvements, is to document them, not only with the paperwork, but with pictures. Mm-hmm. Because when someone does come to look at your house, if you're going to sell it, and you've made insulation mm-hmm. uh, improvements, having documentation and even pictures of before and after yep. can show that potential buyer, wow, this is a huge improvement yeah. from what it was before. It's almost like some sort of uh, confidence that you have if you buy a car and you see that they have all the maintenance records. It's the same kind of thing for your house. Change the oil on your house. <laughs> all right, coming up next, we're going to answer questions from people just like you who submitted them to the website, thecarolinacontractor.com. If you have a question, go to that website. And you can submit it. Donnie reads them all, answers them all, and then we pick a few of them and answer them on the show. And that's what we're going to do next. We'll be back with more of the Carolina Contractor Show. Everything under your roof is important, so make sure your roof is up to the job. For over 20 years, SureTop Roofing has been covering triangle homes and businesses. SureTop Roofing is certified with all of the major shingle manufacturers, providing a 50-year non-prorated warranty. SureTop Roofing has estimators, project managers, and design consultants on staff, guaranteeing superior service. Visit SureTopRoofing.com. SureTop Roofing has you covered. Welcome back to the Carolina Contractor Show. And the Carolina Contractor Show is brought to you by GAF, the world's largest roofing manufacturer. We protect what matters most. And Mid-Atlantic Roofing Supply in Raleigh, a roofing supplier with a different approach. If you want to get more information on the show, hit the website, thecarolinacontractor.com, or just search The Carolina Contractor on Facebook. On the website's a little button you press, Ask the Contractor, and that goes to Donnie. He reads all the questions. He asks a lot. He'll sometimes contact you, see if he can help you out in person. So if you have a question, please submit it to thecarolinacontractor.com. Question number one, we have been fighting the same leak for years around our chimney, We've had the chimney reflashed and even replaced plywood just a couple of years ago. The leak came back this week, and the flashing appears to be fine. Can you help, Donnie? Yep. So I know more about chimneys than I really care to, and this came from uh, 
my college days, fast forward all the way to, to what we do for a living with the roofing career. But um, when we get a chimney call, we think, oh, my word, it's not going to be pretty because especially if we installed the roof, you know, everybody points the finger at the chimney flashing first. And a lot of times that's not the case. I'll start by telling a story of how I understood how porous uh, masonry material is. And when I was in college, the, the head of the department at App State, his name was Jeff Tiller, and he's just a great guy. I think he actually listens to the show. So, mm-hmm. uh, hi, Jeff. <laughs> he, um, he did an experiment and we're all standing around and, uh, people are looking like, what's this guy doing? You know, we, we take the water hose and we have a, a solid block. So it's like a cap block. It's four inches tall and eight by 16 on the other dimensions. And of course, gray cinder block and he's wetting the block and explaining, you know, uh, any kind of masonry t- material is porous. Even a brick is porous. Right. You don't see the pores, but if you got right down on it, they're there. And um, basically, this block turns darker and darker gray. He flips it over and does the same thing to the other side. He says, Donnie, turn the water off. I'm finished. So what he ex- explained to us is that when every pore in a masonry material is saturated, meaning it can't get any more water in there, basically, it has no resistance to, to the flow of the water. So what he did is uh, he said, OK, I'm going to take this water hose and put it right flat against the block. And he said, now turn the water on full blast. We did that, and the water shot out the other side of the block like a magic trick, and we were blown away. So basically, it takes the time to saturate all the pores. So, you know, it does have some water resistance before it's saturated, but um, like we talked about, efflorescence is a product Mm -hmm. of not absorbing water anymore. Um, Basically, when every pore of that masonry material is full uh, and you put more water on it, it's one drop in, one drop out, out meaning inside the house. Mm But um, so basically that same concept applies. And especially when we get a call about a chimney leak or, you know, something around a bay window where there's brick veneer above and there's been a three day rain. Usually that's the culprit. So exactly the same thing in this scenario. And we go out there and basically we uh, we did the show on what you can see from the ground. Right. One thing that I'm trained to do is when I get out of the truck, I look right up there at the chimney to see, number one, if there's a chimney cap. A lot of times the chimney cap can be the culprit because if these are we use the analogy of shoebox lid. So basically the shoebox lid sits on top of the chimney there. And over time, that will develop a concave corner. So one area of that chimney cap will usually be lower than the rest of it because you're just talking thin sheet metal that's exposed to the sun, you know, 365 days a year. Well, Mm -hmm. when it's raining hard, the water, of course, is going to pool in the low area. And usually it runs off right in that same spot. So um, after month after month of rain, that will leave a trail. Usually it looks like mildew or something on one side or the other of the chimney. And if you go inside and look where they're getting the leak problem, it's right. usually straight in line with where the chimney cap's dumping the water off. It doesn't always happen with the chimney cap like that, but a, a three-day rain on a chimney that's 13 feet in the air above your roof line and exposed to, to all the elements, that brick can't dry back out. And uh, especially if you have brick ledges or any kind of decorative band up there, we see that as an area that can be problematic. Um, the only other thing I could think of that would attribute to a chimney leak that, that we didn't cover is the bed joints and head joints of the brick. So the head joints are usually just skimmed on. Uh, those are the vertical joints in the brick where the horizontal, of course, cover the full length of the brick. And if you look at the cross section of that brick, usually there's about three holes, four holes in there. And if the brick is set out and it has a thinner head joint, a lot of times when the water hits that ledge, it runs back and it hits the cell of the brick and just runs straight down. We call that like Plinko and the price is right. Mm-hmm. You know, it just kind of drops and falls until it hits. Except you don't win money. You don't win any money. The right fix, of course, is to find the right problem in this situation and uh, proper chimney flashing should be cut in. Now, it's not always an option, but 
In most cases, you'll see where people flash the chimney and they cut into the mortar about one inch, and then they turn the chimney flashing in about three quarters of an inch so that as that brick absorbs water, you know, it has to bypass that three quarters or that one inch where it's cut in. So the other thing you can do, and I do recommend after you solve the problem, getting that chimney pressure washed and getting all that mildew and the water trails of, of where the moisture's run for so many years, get all that off of there. And uh, you can use a product we call Gator Seal. That product uh, will seal the chimney, and it looks like nothing's up there because it's supposed to be transparent. But, you know, clean the chimney, seal the chimney, and... um you know, as far as chimneys go, when we drew all of our own blueprints, I wasn't a fan. These things have been problematic since I got into construction. And, you know, anything above your roof line that's unnecessary, like a, if you don't need the gas logs or you could change out to a vent free and get rid of that chimney, we do that a lot of times for folks. But, you know, things like chimneys and dormers are always going to leak. And um, I just think they're unnecessary and just a look. The worst one we've ever encountered was on a brand new $3 million home. It was the Parade of Homes winter and everything. And they didn't have a wood-burning fireplace in the house, but they had these huge, I want to say three foot by eight foot, and they were about 20 feet above the roof line just for decoration on, on the house. So they wanted the look and didn't even have the fireplace to show for it. So <laughs> That's real money right there. Yeah, it is. All right, question number two submitted to the Carolina contractor. We're replacing our deck with composite. We're debating between composite handrails versus vinyl. What's your take, Donnie? Um, composite, just for folks who may not have heard of this, is usually referred to as Trex. So uh, similar to the siding, you know, hardy. People say hardy, but that's really fiber cement. Composite decking is this Trex material that you see in Lowe's and Home Depot. And uh, basically what composite is, is they mix wood fiber and plastic together. And they're trying to mimic the look of the wood, but just have something that's that's virtually weatherproof. Mm-hmm. Um, the vinyl handrails, on the other hand, um, is a fancy way to say PVC. So PVC, you've got the slick plastic look, and um, I would say if you're not taking cost into account, it's it's basically a preference on on which one you like to look at more. So composite, uh, I think, looks a little bit better, uh, but I have vinyl at my house, and the reason being is um, the composite was nearly double the cost. Mm. So the trade-offs there are that composite uh, has just about every color in the spectrum, whereas the the PVC or the vinyl handrails usually come in like a white or a tan. You just don't right. have as many options, uh, but most people go with white, so mm-hmm. not a lot of options needed. And um, I thought it was neat looking into this that the composites actually originated when they were trying to come up with a moisture-resistant window and door frame. So the folks who invented this were originally intending this to be a, uh, a window and door product, and it just evolved into something that we used around a deck for a handrail. But um, yeah, I think the vinyl's okay. Um, if you want to match the deck boards, usually the composite will be your only option. Question number three, do you treat home maintenance differently for the north and south sides of the house? This is a neat question. I mean, I, I don't think we've ever gotten anything like this. So I walked around my personal house just to see what I could come up with. And, you know, on the north side, um, things mildew. So you are you don't get a lot of sunlight like you do on the south-facing elevation. And, you know, that means you've got uh, a lot more maintenance in terms of pressure washing and Things like the synthetic decking material that we just mentioned are an attractive option for the north side of the house because, you know, of course, if that wood doesn't get very much light, it, it may not uh, may not do well or get the intended lifespan. So I think on the north side of the house or I guess for the south side, the, the composite decking would be a good idea because it's resistant to the sun as well. The south side, everything dries out. You know, it gets the morning, afternoon and evening, early evening sun. And I noticed we have brick veneer on our home and we've had to recalk our windows on the south side twice and we haven't had to do anything on the north side since we've been in the house we built nine years ago landscaping considerations are another thing to take Mm -hmm. into account on the south side you know a lot of plants can't handle full sun so 
may want to look at that. And uh, we had the option of how we wanted our house oriented. So I, I did this on purpose. And uh, my son actually has the bonus room above the garage. And uh, we over insulated that because it faces the southwest. And they say that the, the southwest low sun in the summer puts off the most heat. So we over insulated that outer wall, you know, as a buffer for him and it worked great. But another thing that we were trying to do is it's right above the garage. So the garage acts like a buffer, a heat buffer for our house. So it keeps that hot late afternoon sun, you know, from, from doing what it can in terms of heat transfer to the rest of our house. I'd say painting, staining, that's something else that you have to do more so on the south side. And um, a thing that we run into with the roofing is that a lot of times roof debris will accumulate on that south side and not on the north. And the reason is, of course, northeast uh, bound winds are what we see the most of. So the winds come out of the southwest, and a lot of times it'll blow those leaves and debris onto your roof and it can't get up and over. So it will accumulate and cause a leak or it'll cause a premature breakdown of your shingle. And um, and overhanging trees is another thing to take into consideration because that will definitely decrease the lifespan of your shingles. So buy yourself a compass and then determine the sides of your house, what they're facing, and you can uh, figure out things that you need to at least look for, yeah, for when, sure. you're, when you're having issues with your house. All right, that's it for today's edition of the Carolina Contractor Show. Again, if you have a question or you want to learn something about what we've talked about, the website is a great place to start, thecarolinacontractor.com. Also, you can find... It on Facebook. Just search for The Carolina Contractor on Facebook. Remember, if you need a new roof on your house, and we just talked today about the ROI on putting a new roof on your house and also getting the attic insulated correctly, that's Donnie's wheelhouse. For that, visit SureTopRoofing.com. SureTopRoofing.com. Schedule a free appointment. Donnie and his team will come out there, and he'll look at your roof. And what's the best thing you can tell them, Donnie? Your roof looks great. Call me next year. And we'll see you next week on The Carolina Contractor Show. Thanks for listening to the Carolina Contractor Show, presented by Shoretop Roofing. Submit your questions online at thecarolinacontractor.com. And tune in next week as we continue to help you make your home great again. Everything under your roof is important, so make sure your roof is up to the job. For over 20 years, SureTop Roofing has been covering triangle homes and businesses. SureTop Roofing is certified with all of the major shingle manufacturers, providing a 50-year non-prorated warranty. SureTop Roofing has estimators, project managers, and design consultants on staff, guaranteeing superior service. Visit SureTopRoofing.com. SureTop Roofing has you covered.